This episode of Motherhood in Hollywood is sponsored by Kinsa, the world's smartest thermometer. I always keep Kinsa in my arsenal of mom tools. It remembers my daughter's temperature, symptoms, and medications, so I don't have to. And it keeps her entertained with games while we wait. Check it out at KinsaHealth.com, the world's smartest thermometer. And this episode is brought to you by Bumby Box, an eco-friendly toy subscription service your kids will love. Each Bumby Box comes with fun, play-based toys, and activities specially chosen for your child. And if you enter the code M-I-H-O-O-D at checkout, you'll get 10% off. Go to BumbyBox.com right now and find out why BumbyBox is a better way to play. Come on, Mama! Grab your popcorn and goobers. It's time for Motherhood in Hollywood with your host, Heather Brooker. This is a crude prude's perspective on being a full-time mom in showbiz. She's not a perfect mom, but she can play one on TV. Hold on to your butts, here's Heather. Hey you guys, welcome to episode 40, what is this, 41? Holy smokes. Episode 41 of Motherhood in Hollywood. My guest today is comedian and mama. Coca Brown. You guys might recognize her from uh, Tyler Perry's For Better or Worse. She plays Jennifer on that show. She also just had a huge run in American Crime Story playing Queen Bee um, in The People versus OJ. Oh my gosh. So we have so much to talk about. She and I apparently used to live like a few blocks away from each other um, a few years back and we had no ideas. So we get to discover some pretty fun things about motherhood and about being funny in this business and um you know whether or not we can create our own paths as women you guys will be interested to hear what she has to say about that so what do I want to talk about today oh my gosh okay so we have just had the best week ever in the Brooker house because my little Channing turned three and we went to Disneyland for two days I'm tired I'm not gonna lie I'm tired it was um a grueling two days, but so great. Like I can't even complain because she was lovely. Channing was just up for anything. And this girl on her birthday wore this, um, frozen dress, this Elsa dress that my mom sent her and her high heels, her little, like, you know, they were like jelly shoes, but they're little like Elsa frozen high heels. She wore that outfit the whole day at Disneyland. I, I was so impressed and she like, didn't even complain. I kept saying, you know, baby, do your feet hurt? Do you want to put on other shoes? Do you want to put a different shirt? And she's like, no, I'm fine. She just wanted to look fabulous on her birthday. And you know what? I don't blame her. She did look fabulous. I'm going to be posting some stuff about that on my website. Some little tips and tricks that I learned while I was at Disneyland. You know what though? I always feel weird. Um, not weird, but I always question myself when I'm blogging. I don't know if you guys ever do this when you sit down to write something, whether it's online or even a social media post or whatever, but I always kind of pause and go, do I really need to write this? Do I really need to put this information out there? Because I'll tell you, if anything has been blogged about a bajillion times, it's Disneyland, Disneyland, Disney World, Disney cartoons, everything Disney. So in my mind, I think, what could I possibly add to the conversation, you know, or add to the internet noise, if you will, on this particular topic? But, um, you know, F it. I'm going to do it anyway. Screw you guys. Rate it. Love it. Share it. Um, uh, <laughs> I, so, I swear I'm not this much of an a-hole in, in real life. Or am I? Hmm. Uh, I guess you'll just have to meet me and find out. Anyway, we had a really great time at Disney. We stuffed our faces. We spent way too much money. And I still can't believe that she's three years old. I've been a mom for three years. And it makes me feel very, very old. Uh, but I love it. I wouldn't have it any other way. And the other thing I want to talk about, oh, is my MH 15 by 15. I'm getting better at this, you guys. I'm taking notes now, writing shit down that I want to talk about. The MH 15 by 15. If you're doing it with me, we have less than a month to go to lose 15 pounds. And I'll tell you, I'm almost to my goal. Um, although I had a few days of setbacks at Disneyland where I ate everything that I could from a cart and that was fried. 
Um, but that's okay. The beauty of the MIH 15 by 15 is that while, yes, I am putting it out there in the public eye um, and sort of like making the the world be my, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, when somebody holds you accountable, maybe accountability. <laughs> I swear I'm not drunk. But anyway, um, I'm doing it in public, pu- publicly, I should say, so that everyone will hold me accountable. But I'm also allowing myself room to, you know, make mistakes and slip up. And that's okay because I'm human. I'm a mom. I'm human. We make mistakes. I'm not going to be a size two by my anniversary. Um, I just want to look better and feel better in my clothes and feel more romantic when my husband and I, uh, take our special anniversary trip and get a little freaky. Yeah. Uh, too much, too much information. (laughs) He's dying right now. I promise you. He's like, Oh my God please stop. All right. So, and speaking of anniversary trips, our anniversary trip is coming up in a few weeks. We're going to be going to Napa and, um, I want to, I don't know, like I want to get like a couple's massage somewhere and I need to start researching and finding out where I can go in Napa to do that. That's not going to cost me $5,000. See, that's my biggest problem is I love to travel. I love going out to eat. I love to do things, but I mean, I'm on a budget. We are, uh, not glamorous Hollywood stars yet over here uh, at MIH, so we need to keep things on a budget. So uh, if anybody has any tips on where to go in Napa or suggestions on what to see and what to do, I'll take them. Send them my way. Also, I want to talk really quickly about Charlize Theron. She's in the news right now. She just, I don't know if you guys saw this, but she did an interview with GQ Magazine where she basically said that um, all of the the gorgeous people, the pretty people in Hollywood don't ever get the great parts or the meaty roles is what she said. Um, how many roles are out there for the gorgeous gown wearing eight foot model? When meaty roles come through, I've been in the room and pretty people get turned away first. (sighs) Say what? (laughs) Now, Charlize Theron is a gorgeous woman just breathtaking woman and has also played really wonderfully meaty roles. One of them won her an Oscar for um, monster and she did not look like a gorgeous, pretty person necessarily in that movie. Um, and I just don't understand where she's coming from on this. Now she's a fellow mom, you know, so I'm going to give her a little bit of leeway there in case uh, maybe her, she was having a little moment uh, where she lost her mind for a second. But I could tell you, as an actress in Hollywood who auditions regularly, um, I am not offered the gorgeous leading lady roles. And I know it's because I'm not an eight-foot-tall, blonde, gorgeous model. Um, I'm a character actress. And anybody who's a working actor in Hollywood can tell you that most of the major parts and leading parts, if not all of the leading parts in Hollywood, go to gorgeous attractive people. That's just the way it is. It's the nature of the beast. Um, you know, it's kind of what you sign up for. So Charlize, I love you. I support you. Come on my podcast and let's talk about it. But, um, I have to heartily disagree with you on that one. Um, what is the other thing I was going to talk to you about? Oh, if you didn't see it last week, I was on Lopez. Speaking of not speaking of not being like a gorgeous, pretty person, this part literally was, it was fun to do, but I knew the joke was that it, he walks in to see me. He thinks we're going to hook up. This is George Lopez's character who's playing him, uh, him, a version of himself. And he walks in and the joke is like, whoa, she's not the chick I came to bone. And then he turns and he runs away in like horror. Now, listen, I know I'm not a supermodel. I get it. Um, I also have a pretty good sense of humor about stuff like that. It didn't bother me. Some people might be bothered and think, Oh my God, that's so insulting to women. It didn't bother me. It was fun. I got paid a ridiculous amount of money to go and play a silly character for a few hours. And I'm so grateful for it. So if you haven't gone to check out my episode of Lopez yet, do it and then use the hashtag bring Steph back because that was the name of my character. And we, he kind of left it open-ended with our relationship. 
if like the running off in the wind was open wind open winded open um ended then that's what it was so use the hashtag bring stuff back and tweet at me and let's see if george lopez will have me back on the show let's use the power of social media shall we all right that's it for my mommy monologue today i want to get right to my interview with one funny mama coca brown Okay, you guys, this is such a treat for me today on the show because I have a very funny mama on the show. It's Coca Brown. Coca, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm honored. Thank you. I have been watching your stand up online and dying laughing. Like, I. <laughs> um, okay, that means I'm doing my job. <laughs> yeah, no, you totally are. Um, so I have so much, first of all, I want to talk about, but I want to talk about, first of all, you're in Atlanta, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. What's going on there? Is that where you're filming for better or worse? Yes, yes. We just wrapped season six. Um, last year, uh, it was kind of a fluke. I went out with a friend of mine who lives here, and she's a real estate agent, and I was just hanging out with her one day, and she, while she was showing some homes, and I saw this home here in Atlanta. I fell in love with it. Um, totally bonded with the previous owners. She was a cardiologist and a um, very sweet woman. And for some reason, she was like, I don't want anyone to buy this home but Coca. Aww. So she sweetened the deal so lovely, I ended up buying a home here. <laughs> and were you in L.A. before that? I was, yeah. I've been, I had been in L.A. for 12 years. And how, like, what was that transition like? Because, you know, I have a lot of friends who have been sort of fleeing L.A. for Atlanta because of all of the work that's going on out there. Is that kind of what was attractive to you, too? Well, probably the fact that you're on the show out there, I know. but Well, um... yeah, it, it, it definitely helped that I'm here three, four months out of the year filming. Mm -hmm. Right. Then, too, you know, I'm from the South. I'm from Virginia. And, you know, um, being out um, in L.A., you know, once I was divorced and became a single mom, being so far away from family, you mm -hmm. know, it was one of those situations where I thought it was kind of a d divine intervention of saying, I'm going to make it real easy for you to come back home. Right. And, you know, um, I have not really skipped a beat with L.A. I still have my place there in, you know, Burbank, and I'm back and forth when need be. I, you know, I have great agents who understand that, you know, being a mom comes first for me mm -hmm. and providing a stable, you know, life for my child is, you know, my number one priority. And they're totally understanding of that, and they work with me. Um, it, it, it really, you know, it gets a little tiring getting on planes sometimes every other week to go to L.A. for stuff. Mm -hmm. But you know what? It's worth it because I get to walk into my house every day. Yeah, because out in L.A., it seems like you'd never be able to buy a home out here. Like only, you know, Ooh. just the very few lucky. I tried. Like literally for what I got in Atlanta, um, it would have probably been about $10 million. Yeah. Oh, it's uh, it's. And, outrageous. you know, what I could have got for what I paid for, I, I wouldn't have been able to buy anything in L.A. for what I paid for. <laughs> I know. I know. And that's it, it's so I'm frustrating. The one bedroom condo. Maybe. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> You want to be, I mean, there's so many great things LA has to offer and you just, but they don't make it affordable for anybody to live here unless you're just like, you know, the, you know, brain surgeon or something or God, I know. Right. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about um, your, are, you have a son, right? Yes. And yes. what's his name? If you don't mind saying it. His name is Phoenix. Okay. Phoenix Zion. Yeah. Phoenix. Are you, uh, and how old is he? He'll be four in May. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Coca, I wish you still were here in Burbank because my daughter's going to be three next week. And I feel like well, we I'm could have. Well, I'm back and forth a lot. And we could have I, play dates. I, I come out there in the summer times for like a whole month. Oh, wow. Oh, we definitely have to arrange a play date. I would love that because I'm in Glendale. I'm not far. I, I've lived in Glendale for eight years. Did you really? Where did you? Yeah. Well, you don't have to tell me where you live, but where did you live? No. <laughs> I lived right, right, right. I was right in between Pacific and um, Brand Boulevard. Coca, shut up. That's where we were. We lived there for like eight years off of Pacific. Yeah, I was right there. <laughs> I mean, if you remember, it used, to, used to be called Artstone, but someone else bought it. We were and probably neighbors. Oh my God, that's so funny. Yeah. Um, uh, did you go to the Americana a lot? Oh, uh, all the time. I, I remember I when the it. Americana was just a little old tiny mall. Yeah. There was like you know a CVS and all of that across the street, and now it's the Americana. And now it's like this gorgeous <laughs> place where um, it's just so nice to like walk around and like I remember when I first had my daughter. Um, that was the one motivating thing that would get me out of the house in the morning. I'd be like, okay, we're just going to go walk around the Americana. And like, you know, I did the same thing with my son when he was first born. <laughs> yeah. Like you have to just to get some fresh air and get moving. Yeah, and... He loved, he loved the fountain, you know? Oh and, and yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, I love that. So um, Phoenix is four. Yeah. Um, so t- how did things change for you? Because I, like I said, I've watched some of your comedy and yeah. I freaking love it. Thank you. Do you think that anything has changed for you as far as stand-up goes after you became a mom? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, before I had my son and, and I was single, you know, my set was a little bit, I would have to say, raunchier. Yeah. I and, love it, though. <laughs> you no, know, I mean, to be honest, it was a little blue. A little and blue. <laughs> becoming a mom, becoming, you know, getting married and becoming a mom kind of, you know, changed my perspective and how I presented myself. Why do you it, think that is? Why do you think that we as moms, um, when we have kids, because I, um, I am very blue. Like, I, I cuss and swear, like, there's nobody's business sometimes. And okay, I... And then. <laughs> <laughs> Like it's bad, and I'm I'm just dreading the day when she starts repeating me. Um, but I and now I will definitely say too that I make a conscious effort to try not to do that. But I also yeah. still want to be true to myself. So I'm always curious to see how comedians handle that when they become parents. You know, it's funny. The first time my child slipped up and said a curse word, uh-huh. he did it in front of my mother, mm. and all my mother could oh, do no. was me and say, "I wonder where he got that from." <laughs> Oh and all gosh. I could do was laugh, you know, and I've been, you know, blessed to have a little boy that understands that those are bad words and they'll slip out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it really made me conscious of how I speak. And he's within earshot, especially now that he's at the age that he repeats everything. Mm-hmm. And um, he understands that some words are bad words. I mean, it's one of those things that, you know, it, it really made me adjust myself where I can be free in my home, but not so free. Right. What about on stage, though? Do you think that when you're performing at a at a club or something like that, does that alter your um, your set at all? It, it does because I think I'm at the at the point in my life now that you know my son loves his iPad, mm-hmm. and he has mastered the art of being able to search things that I couldn't even search. <laughs> and it hit me one day that there's going to be a time that he's going to Google mommy. Oh, yeah. And I don't want him finding stuff on the Internet of mommy just a little foul mouth heathen or something. You know, I want him to not be like, oh, wow, mom, you know, whatever. Um, So I'm a little bit more conscious now of what I put out. Don't get me wrong. I still go there in a sense. You know, I still do my thing. Mm -hmm. But I'm a little bit more conscious of the content that I put out there. I see. Do you think that that's indicative of a lot of female comedians, a lot of moms? um, Or is that uh, something that, like, are are you alone in that thinking that? I don't think so. I mean, I do know some female comics who are moms, and they have not changed their set one single solitary bit. Mm hmm and then I know some moms who set completely changed and even their persona on stage completely changed yeah. from becoming moms. So I think it's just a personal choice, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and how you want what you want to put out there. I, I think it's just a personal choice. I mean, I've seen it 50 50. Um, and so does he come to the clubs with you or is he still too? Yeah. The past, I mean, not a lot. It's only been like some, you know, extenuating circumstances that he was at the club with me and he's in the green room. You know, I remember I did a show one time in uh, Pleasanton, uh, uh, California, and uh, my babysitter got sick and he was with me on the road. So I told my assistant at the time, I said, look, we got to take the baby with us. And he turned his back for one second. And this thing I know, my son's sitting in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, mommy. And everybody's like, oh. And I'm like, you did not hear anything mommy just said. <laughs> oh, no. I didn't know how long he had been out there. And that was kind of a wake up call for me as well. You know, yeah. because I was like, I had just probably spilled out God knows what out of my mouth and realized that my child at the time was two sitting in the audience I'm like oh my gosh you know but otherwise no he does not come to the clubs with me <laughs> oh my gosh how funny I um there was a documentary that came out a couple years ago I don't know if you saw it but it was called why we laugh um mm-hmm. and um it talked to it was focusing on a lot of women comedians um and uh, there was one point in the documentary where they talk about how the st- the struggle and the challenges uh, for women who become moms, um, but still choose to be comedians in their career. And the, the goal, what they all basically said was that it just doesn't happen because for men, they have 
their wives at home to take care of the kids while they go on tour right. or they do the clubs. Right. But for right. mom, it's a different kind of thing. Absolutely. Was that something you thought about um, before you had kids? Was you know, did you wait later in life to have kids for that reason? I did. I did. You know, I didn't get married until my late thirties, mm-hmm. and um, I had my son at thirty nine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it was a situation where at first I was like, it's not going to change me. It's not going to change me. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, as time progressed, it did. And sometimes I wonder if it was truly just a conscious effort of mine or was it just the circumstances? But, um, it just became, especially when he began to talk and understand more Right. that I was like, you know, um, now do I want to be this mom comedian that's up there talking about everything from changing diapers to potty training or do I still want to be true to myself, but slide in my own perceptions of motherhood? Right. And I chose the latter. You know, I talk about motherhood from my perspective of, you know, having, you know, uh, a, a male nanny and, um, you know, you know, realizing that I have put him in the role of my husband, even though we don't sleep together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's like he's like my he's my pseudo husband. Yeah. You know of how, you know, I have gay friends who sometimes get a little comfortable around my son. And then my son's walking around talking like a gay man. And I'm like, no, you can't say that. You can't say I'm giving you life right now. No, you can't say that. <laughs> you know, so I talk about more more so of how. You know, um, you know, my, my 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 walk in motherhood and being a comedian more so than making it more general, you know? Right. Yeah, I think there's um, actually, you know, when I started Motherhood in Hollywood, I really wanted to highlight um, moms who are comedians because uh, it's just such a challenging career path to be on and a delicate balance between, you know, setting a good example for your child, but also you just want to be funny. And sometimes being funny is dirty and, you know, and you're uh, blowing out uh, parts of the, of their life that maybe didn't really happen, but you're making it funnier. Um, yeah. So it's, it, but looking for comedians who are moms uh, is tough. <laughs> it's- yeah, because a lot of times, you know, um, I, I know me and Heather McDonald mm-hmm. are really good friends and we, you know, vibe off of each other a lot when we're together mm-hmm. about, you know, being moms. And we have a lot of similar stories, but, you know, our approach to them are so different. You know, I have this whole, you know, joke that I do about, you know, my white girlfriends who are mothers as opposed to my black girlfriends who are mothers <laughs> how the advice is so different in <laughs> how to handle things, you know. But, you know, you know, you know, Heather's fortunate that she has a very supportive husband. Um, you know, unfortunately my marriage didn't work out, but I've been really fortunate to have some incredible men in my life that for whatever reason, loved me and my son enough to step up and fill that void, mm-hmm. you know, and be that backbone and, and be those role models for my son. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a challenge sometimes because, you know, being the sole breadwinner in my household and having to leave him virtually sometimes every weekend in a mm-hmm. month. And, That's you know, he's so in school hard. during the day. There are times I keep him home from school just to smell it, yeah, you know, yeah. because I know I'm going to be gone for four or five days. Um, it's challenging. It, it really is because, you know, as, 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 you know, as with boys really, you know, with being a mom period, he's like, you know, you're that, 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 that you're that rock for them. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've been fortunate that he kind of understands. I mean, we have this thing that I've told him that mommy has to go to work to make money to buy your toys. Right. And so every time I come home, he's like, where's my toys? <laughs> <laughs> That's so dangerous. I always have to have something in my bag to justify why mommy was gone for four or five days. Yeah. So what do you think drives you then um, to keep doing it? Because I know some comedians are, they're addicted to being on stage. They're addicted to that yeah. immediate feedback from the audience whenever you've yeah. worked on a joke, you know? Yeah. Um, why Is that what drives you to keep going? I, I wish I could say that that was it, but it's really just being able to take care of my child. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I'm working with, you know, Tyler Perry or working on a TV or film project, that's temporary. But I know that comedy is not fleeting. As long as I'm funny mm-hmm. and I can remain in demand, I'm going to be able to provide for my child. And um, don't get me wrong, being on that stage for 15 minutes to an hour is heaven to me because that's when I can be completely free and naked and just just Mm -hmm. get everything out that I need to get out and the audience is with me and it's definitely can be addicting because that's my therapy 
You know, when I'm stressed, right. tired, I know I can hit that microphone and say whatever and get it out of my system. And I've just been blessed to have a gift to make it funny. But, um, you know, it's one of the things that I've always said, I've always had a love hate for comedy because I love it for the release that it gives me and the immediate gratification, but I hate it because it takes me away from my kids so much. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> do you find that you've had, um, some stability as of late in particular with, uh, for better or worse? Absolutely. 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 I mean, you know, when we finish filming, when I'm filming, you know, for better or worse, you know, I'm really not gigging on the road like that because, you know, working with, with Tyler and, and his method of madness of, you know, how we work, you know, I'm learning four scripts a day and I'm having to be on cue and be ready to rock and roll. So I don't go on the road as much. So and then after we're done, you know, I've made a substantial amount of money. I can kind of sit still. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this particular situation as of recently, you know, I've got gigs through July oh, wow. and I'm not taking a break, but this weekend I decided this is my only weekend off for the next eight weeks. We're going to Florida. I don't care. Everything will get dealt with when it gets dealt with because I'm going to be leaving him and I need to spend that time with him. It's really just about making choices yeah. and, you know, realizing when you have the time to just be mom, it, you know, embrace it. Hey friends, I want to tell you a little bit more about Kinsa, the world's smartest thermometer. It's truly designed to give parents peace of mind when their little ones aren't feeling well. I've used it many times for Channing when she has a fever. Here's why. It remembers temperature, symptoms, and medication and gives me guidance on what to do next. I can even send that information to her doctor. Kinsa is truly amazing. Go to KinsaHealth.com to get your own Kinsa, the world's smartest thermometer. And I'm so excited to tell you guys a little more about Bumby Box, an eco-friendly toy subscription service your kids are going to love. Each Bumby Box comes with fun, play-based toys and activities specifically chosen for your child. We couldn't wait to get our Bumby Box. Channing dove right in and immediately fell in love with everything because it was chosen just for her. If you go to BumbyBox.com, enter the code M-I-H-O-O-D at checkout and you'll receive 10% off your purchase from Motherhood in Hollywood and Bumby Box. Bumbybox.com, a better way to play. So speaking of male role models, do you feel like Tyler Perry was one of those role models for you? Absolutely. I've learned so much from that man. Um, How did you guys meet? Like, what was your first um, encounter with him? Because I know he, you guys have worked together on a few, quite a few projects. Yeah. Um, the For Better or Worse and Single Moms Club, the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was so funny. I auditioned for the role like everybody else. What I did not know is that Tyler had seen me at a comedy club like a year before mm-hmm. and thought I was a riot. We thought I was funny and he wanted to work with me. So when I walked into that audition and he saw my name on the sheet, he was like, oh, my God, I've been wanting to work with her. But can she act? And I'm so glad that when I went to L.A., I didn't go to L.A. to be a comic. I was already a comic. I was working the East Coast, the Midwest, relentlessly. Mm -hmm. So I already had a name, really, in the comedy business. I went to L.A. to be an actress. So I just totally saturated myself in acting classes and workshops and making sure I had good agents or whatever. So when that opportunity presented itself, thank God I could act. Mm-hmm. And I got the role. So my very first time actually meeting him was the very first day we ever showed up on set to start for better or worse six years ago. And I remember they brought us all into his office and, you know, he was like, I've been a fan of yours forever. And I'm Aww. like, and he was like, I'm so grateful that you're doing this. I just, I trust you're funny. I think you're hilarious. We're going to have a great time. And that just put such a good uh, feeling in me that yeah. I always bring him my A game. You know, when that man told me, I trust you're funny. And Coca, if you think you can say something that's funnier than what's in this script, I trust you. And that was such... Um, like, a what a confidence builder for you. Yeah, as seriously. As, yeah, that's fantastic. You know, and then, to you know, to have castmates who come from the drama world come and talk to me about, you know, Coca, how do I do comedic timing? Coca, how do I... And then to see them blossom and become these great comedic actors and they tell me they owe it to me. It's like such a a great uh, honor that I was able to touch so many lives, you know, with Mm -hmm. my gift. And, you know, and and, and like I said, I've learned so much from Tyler in terms of multitasking about 
um, doing what you want and what you need to do to be fulfilled till the wheels come off, mm-hmm. you know, and knowing how to juggle it all. I've, I've learned so much watching this man work. Did you feel like it was a hard transition to go from comedian to actress? Because I know not everybody can do that. Not every comedian can be an actress. It's a different skill set. I honestly know because I started acting. I was okay. act- I started acting when I was 10 years old. I started doing plays in school. Mm-hmm. And I remember my fifth grade teacher, uh, Miss Marshall, whom I, I owe so much to because she's the first one who told me I had a talent, I had a gift. And she put me in my first play at 10 years old where I was the lead and I had all these lines and I did them. And she told my mom, you know, she's going to be special. You mm-hmm. know, I'd love that. So I was able to pursue drama, even though I grew up in a very traditional Southern household where I was technically supposed to, you know, graduate high school, go to college, meet a man, get married, get a job, have some babies. And that was your life. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and, you know, I was able to pursue my drama, you know, and I always thought of it as a hobby, not realizing that one day it would actually be my livelihood and be my career. But I came from the acting background. I mean, I had been doing theater since I was 10. So for me to transition, you know, I didn't think I knew everything. That's why when I went to LA, I started when I, I started comedy in DC, but I was taking acting classes there. But when I came to LA, I really just, got into every acting workshop I could possibly get into to hone my skills because I wanted to be an actress. Mm-hmm. Comedy was something that I loved. I kind of wanted comedy to go back to being a hobby where it was fun again because it became my job. Yeah. I can see where at some point after you've been doing it for so long, it might start to feel like the grind, you know? Yeah, exactly. And and that's when it was taking away the love of it mm-hmm. for me. And so I'm grateful now that I have the acting to balance it now. Um, I want to ask you a little bit about in your act, you, some of the funny things you talk about are being a big girl, a big mama. (laughs) Right, right, right. Um, I too am a bigger lady. Um, Have you found that to be, um, well, first of all, I want to know why you, you talk about that in your standup, but also has it been a benefit to you or do you think that it's uh, we should all be a size two and be striving for that? <laughs> you know, I, I was I was, you know, I've 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 been probably every size known to man. But, um, you know, when I started comedy, I was a bigger girl. I was a plus size girl. And my mentor, uh, Darcel, the fat Dr. Blegeman, um <laughs> What? Was, yeah. <laughs> After, you know, the fat doctor, he mentored many of us in the D.C. area, uh-huh. uh, Martin Lawrence, Tommy Davidson, Dave Chappelle, a lot of us who came out of the D.C. comedy, you know, school. He was our mentor. And he always told me to always base your comedy on you. That way your material can remain original and authentic. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I had issues with was that I was bigger than I had ever been. And I talked about that and it did become a staple of my act. Now, did it help me in the acting world? I believe so, because, you know, Hollywood does have a perception that when they want funny, they see a plus size black woman. Yep, you're right. That has kept me working. Now, as of recently in the last year, I've lost almost 50 pounds. Great. And I've had the talk from my agent as well as Tyler Perry. What are you doing? Are you about to lose weight out of work? Like, are you going, are you going to, you know, not be working as much because you're getting, and my agent was like, you know, this is going to put you in a whole different category. It'll almost be like starting over. Is this what you want to do? And I explained to them that, you know, my weight loss and me getting healthier was a personal decision because I had a health scare with diabetes that woke me up because my father has the disease and watching it ravage his body and watch him, you know, watching him go through what he's gone through as a diabetic for the last 20 years, it woke me up. And I knew that I had to make some changes in my life. I've never went on this uh, mission to lose weight for Hollywood. This was a completely personal decision. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, at the same token, I'm not stupid. According to standards in Hollywood, I'm still a big girl and I'm back in size 
tens and twelves. Yeah. Okay, Honestly, anything sure. over like a size two, they consider to yeah. be plus size. And it's yeah. like, are you kidding me? Exactly. Exactly. And I feel like, you know, my talent and the work that I've put in should supersede that. Right. You know, that I've lost a little weight. I, I feel I look better on screen now. I feel better. My clothes fit better. But like I said, this was a personal decision for me. Um, you know, I look at someone like a Melissa McCarthy, who they mm-hmm. said lost her show Mike and Molly because she lost all this weight that's and it didn't ridiculous. hurt anymore. Yeah. And that's insane to me because she looks amazing and it's a personal choice. Right. Now, you know, I'm sure that I, I, you know, have friends who are, you know, female actresses who are very, very slim and they lose, they gain two pounds and they go into a tailspin of depression. They start working out like crazy and drinking lemon water 24 hours a day. Yeah. I've been fortunate that my weight loss has been on my own time and on my own, you know, my own terms. And I'm not worried about not working. I'm not. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is definitely uh, a situation where it has been brought to my attention that don't lose any more weight. That is because so interesting to me that 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 it's OK or that it's seemingly OK in this business to attach a um label or limitation to a woman's size Mm -hmm. as far as like how much they will work. Because I've said before, um, when people have brought up something like that to me, um, Mm -hmm. is uh, that's like assuming that my talent is somehow linked to my size and that's really offensive. And Melissa McCarthy wasn't funny anymore. Right. Like how ridiculous. She's hilarious. What are you saying? I think she'd be hilarious as a size zero, you know, But it also, too, is a double-edged sword in this business because you can be pretty as all outdoors in the face. But if you're not a size two, you will never play the love interest. And yeah. if you do, it's a joke. Oh, like a like a joke, the butt of the joke right. or something. Yeah. yeah it's why a is joke. that? Why, why do we let writers and producers um, put us into those categories or, you know, put us in that box? It's, it's the nature of the beast. I mean, I wish I could say why, because I mean, Marilyn Monroe was a size 14 for mm-hmm. God's Right. You know, to some people. And she was considered one of the, you know, biggest sex symbols of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how they went into this hoopla about the young lady who's a plus size model on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Right. She amazing. Yeah. And they were like, how dare you put a fat girl on the cover? Like, seriously right now? Yeah. That's the mentality of our society. And to be honest with you, I know more skinny people who've dropped dead than fat people. Yeah. And that's they're what, hungry. Or... <laughs> I don't know. But it's like, but that's the nature. They feel like if you are, I look at someone like a Queen Latifah. Mm-hmm. The only way Queen Latifah has been able to be love interest in any movie is because she produced it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, you know, um, you know, and that movie she made with Common was seriously so funny. I loved was, that movie so and it was much. Real and it was real. It was real. That's what I loved about it. I was like, oh my gosh, this is like could really happen and seem so right. genuine. But so many people felt it was unrealistic and it was not believable. Oh. Why would a ball player? Well, you have to ask yourself: When have you ever seen a ball player with a big woman? Yeah, that's true. I've never seen it. Yeah. I've never seen it in my lifetime. And, you know, it's one of those things that they want curves because, I mean, if you look at someone like a, a Kim Kardashian or Amber Rose, they're big. Mm-hmm. These women, but because they've got the butts and the, the butts. boobs, yes, yeah. it's okay. But you also have to look a certain way to get a pass if you're not a size two. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it, it, it irks me because, you know, I've been in so many projects where I am the butt of the jokes and the fat jokes and stuff like that. And I'm just like, you know, I'm a woman too. I have feelings too. I would, I know how to love too and be loved as well. But for some reason, the industry and society feels like if you're not a size two and in the gym 24 seven and not and starving yourself, you're not worthy of love or to be loved. And I just think that's a crock. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head right there. It's perception. It's, I think it's what they think. Yeah. Uh, people want to see, I think maybe it's just cause what they're, you know, it's, but it's all we've been feeding them over the past, you know, 50, 60 years since television mm-hmm. has existed. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't really given them a chance to have other options. And if, you know, Melissa McCarthy is one great example of, um, 
that a bigger woman can be in a love scene or a, a romantic uh, right. role. Right. Being bridesmaids mm-hmm. was hilarious. So funny. You and know, Rebel and we Wilson, were, too, in Pitch Perfect 2. I don't know if you saw her character, yeah. you know. And, and you know, same, the same thing with Rebel Wilson. It's like, you know, people were like, I remember being in the theater at Pitch Perfect 2 and when Rebel Wilson kissed the guy and people literally was like, ew. And I'm like, really? Oh, no. They, all I could say was, people? really? Like, really? that's ill, Really? And I just was kind of like, you know, this is the world we live in. It's yeah. like. You know, if you don't fit this cookie cutter of what a woman should look like, then how dare you want to be loved or give love to somebody? And if you are loving somebody, you're in a position of subservitude. You're in a position of I'm either the mama, the grandmama, the auntie, the the the, the bus driver that's got a heart. You know, I yeah. can't, I can't come in there in my little you know negligee and be sexy no that's disgusting i have to be in a muumu and with some rollers <laughs> in my head to be deemed as something lovable so attractive i was gonna ask you about that so when you first started acting um i noticed that you have a lot of similar um titles to your credits like i do like bus driver security guard right um, <laughs> why do you why do you think that is you think that goes back to the same thing what we're talking about where like it- it's the non-threatening girls. female. Yeah. It's the nurturing. When they look at us as plus-size women, the first thing they think about is nurturing. She's going to feed us and take care of us. Mm-hmm. And that is what they want the world to perceive of a woman that's not a size 2. You know, you've never seen a size 2 woman cooking in Jack except for the Stepford Wives, and she was a robot. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you know... But every movie, there's a plus-size woman. She's cooking. She's cleaning, taking care of her babies, mm-hmm. taking care of her man, being the the martyr, being the being Comedic the advice release. giver. You know, that's what she is. So that's the perception they have of a woman that does not look like a beauty queen in yeah. their perception. One person I think of is Roseanne Barr. Like, she comes to mind as one of the first women to come out and be plus-size and funny and, like, go sort of against that type. She certainly wasn't, like, sexy, but when she had that... She definitely had a romance and a love with her husband on that show. So. Yeah, and that was realistic. Yeah. Those, when, where I grew up in Newport News, Virginia, those are the white families I remember going over their houses and what the mom and dad looked like. Right, exactly. I, I went over, I had one friend whose mom looked like a Barbie doll and dad looked like a Ken doll, and that's because dad was an attorney and all mom did was eat lettuce and work out. <laughs> okay. I, otherwise, all my friends' moms look like Roseanne Barr. Right. All my friends' dad look like you know john goodman my mom so, looked like roseanne barr <laughs> right totally you know did. so I, I i that was realistic to me <sighs> oh that's so funny um so what else do you have working on uh, how many other movies is tyler perry putting you in from now on do i should we call well, him i don't know i don't you know in? you know we just finished up for better or worse season six um i talked to tyler recently he told me he's got something brewing for me we'll see what it is Yay. um you know he's been so gracious to me and i, I appreciate him immensely because when I was eight months pregnant, I was shooting season three mm-hmm. of For Better or Worse and I was giving my all as if I wasn't pregnant. And, you know, Tyler was like, you know what? As long as I'm living, you will not have to worry about taking care of that kid. Oh, that's nice. Because he, he's, it, and, and, and he gave me single mom's club from that, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I just, you know, at this point, I, you know, the sky's the limit. I would love to get into more drama. I've been fortunate enough to be in The People versus OJ yeah. and gotten a lot of good, um, you know, reactions to my role in that as Queen Bee. Um, I'm up for another role, uh, which would be a dramatic role as a lawyer. So I'm looking forward to a lot of the dramatic roles because I really want to, you know, stretch my, you know, acting chops here. You mm-hmm. know, I, I, I can be funny with my eyes closed. Isn't that interesting? Like a lot of comedians, after working so hard on their comedy, and they bust their butts for so many years um, doing comedy, then they find themselves wanting to go the opposite direction and do some drama. Yeah, I mean, comedy comes from a dark place. Let's yeah. just be Yeah. And that's why I think comedians do make, you know, really great dramatic actors. You look at Jamie Foxx, you look at Richard Pryor, look at Jim Carrey. You know, they make really great dramatic actors because a lot of our comedy does come from a dark painful place because we're making it funny so to be able to unleash that pain in its rawest of form in a dramatic role is like literally like breathe it's, it's like it's like exhaling for us mm-hmm. you know i mean when i got to be serious 
in the people versus OJ, it was so refreshing to me that I didn't have to be funny, but I was able to come in there and whatever mood I was in, I could use that mood for that particular role. You know what's I it's interesting to me too people are I find are surprised like if I ever do something dramatic because they don't see me that way. And yeah. and you kind of you almost have to bust out of that comedic shell a little bit. And go, "No, no, I can do other things." Yeah, I mean, it took it literally took a chance, you know, audition with John Singleton for another TV show for me to express to him how much I wanted to do drama. And Luckily, you did American Crime Story too, right? Yes, that's the People versus OJ. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, and you know that came about because I auditioned for John Singleton for a new show that he has out called Snowfall, and I didn't get that role, but I was able to express to him my desire to do drama, and so he was directing some episodes of American Crime Story and was like, "This part is perfect for you, Coca. Do you want it?" I was like, "Absolutely," oh, that's awesome. and you know I spoke to him recently, and he was like, "We're gonna get you in some more dramas, Coca. I see it in you, and I I want to I want to see it flourish." You know, and I'm grateful to him for that trust in me. But a lot of times they think that all you can do is funny. They don't realize that there's more to you. Um, Now, you mentioned a couple of pretty well-known comedians. I want to ask you who some of your favorite comedians are. Like, who have been, like, your biggest comedic influences, either past or present? Well, I mean, mean, hands down, Richard Pryor. Mm -hmm. It is something about how he was able to take all the tragedy in his life and make it funny. Yeah. Um, I admire him greatly for that. Um, huge fan of George Carlin. You know, um, I was always a huge fan of Lily Tomlin. And oh, Carol- I love Lily Tomlin. Lily Tomlin, Carol Burnett, oh. um, Vicki Lawrence, um, Gilda Radner, mm-hmm. because they were women who weren't afraid to step outside of their box. Goldie Hawn, mm-hmm. you know, who just weren't afraid to step outside of that box and allow themselves to not be pretty and be funny. I mean, Joan Rivers, for God's sake, yeah. is an to me because Joan Rivers just didn't care. Yeah, and she, she gave no Fs. She was like, I'm no. going to say what I want, do whatever I want, and made a lifelong career out of it. Yeah, and you know, um, so, you know, I'm definitely influenced by a lot of the, you know, women of yesteryear who are still working or whatever. Um, some of the newer comics that I really enjoy, a lot of people don't even know them yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, J.B. Smoove. I, I've watched J.B. Smoove. Me and him were in the game together back in the day doing little dives in South Carolina. And to see him flourish and become the great actor and presence that he is right mm-hmm. now. You know, I've always been a fan of J.B. Smoove. Yeah, he's really funny. Yeah, I love JB, you know, and, um, you know, I remember Kevin Hart used to open for me and to see what he's done. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. How funny. Yeah. Like, I used to take him to gigs because he had no way of getting there. Okay. And, <laughs> uh, look at him now. I was on um, The Real Husbands of Hollywood uh, a few months ago. Well, I shot it like a year ago and it just aired. And oh. he is so short. <laughs> like, I was like... It's not a joke. His 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 jokes about being little are not they're real. <laughs> the tiny little man. He's a tiny little man, but so funny. Yeah, you know, um, Leslie Jones from Saturday Night Live. That's mm-hmm. another one. She and I were in the game together, and to see her flourish on SNL and not give a damn about the haters and. Mm-hmm. You know, doing what she does at her at her finest. I mean, I admire her, respect her a great deal. Do you find that there is um, among comedians at your level um, who you've been, you know, working with for such a long time? Do you feel that there is any sort of competitive spirit, or do you guys? Is it really like a family where you're like, "Good for you," or or you see somebody going, "Oh, why didn't I get that?" Because I know for acting, it can be all of the above. It can be all of the above. Oh, all of the above. Yeah, all of the all of the above. I mean, there was a time that. Um, me, Sherry Shepard, Yvette Nicole Brown, mm-hmm. Lonnie Love would all show up to the same auditions. Oh, really? <laughs> and we would support each other, don't get me wrong, sure. but then, you know, there was always that, dang, how did she get it and I didn't get it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, overall, I, I am not a hater. I don't have a hating spirit. I believe, I firmly believe in what God has for you is for you. Mm-hmm. And um, all I can do is that every time I walk into a room to audition, I'm giving them my all, giving them my best. I know that the the knowing your lines and, 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 and the talent is not even half the battle because a lot of times they know what they want before you even walk in the room. Right. And I tell actors in my class all the time, 
you have to understand that when you walk out of that room after the audition, leave it there. You have to leave it there. You can't over-criticize yourself or over-critique yourself because you have to understand when you walked in that room, they've already got a perception of what they want. And you could have been the best audition they've seen all day. But if your hair wasn't straight and you had curly hair or if you were too light or you were too skinny or you were too heavy, you have to understand it just sometimes ain't even about the audition. It's about did you have the look they wanted. Exactly. Do you ever, because knowing that going into it, knowing what you've seen, you know, behind the camera and all the people that you've met, do you ever want to sort of take control and take the reins yourself and start producing your own show and creating your own um, path, if you will? I do. I do. And it's something that I'm, 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 I'm teetering with right now in creating something, a vehicle for myself so that I can be seen in the in the light that I want to be seen in. Yeah. But it's also a situation too that, you know, sometimes you can't push the envelope so far. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you we can't reinvent the wheel as much as we want to like say, uh, you know, put this woman in this part or this guy in this part and, you know, tell this story. It, it has to be something investors and audiences, I think, want, yeah. want to watch too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, okay. I have one more big question for you. Have you met Oprah? Yes, I have. Shut up. Oh my God. How, what yep. was that like? <laughs> First time I met her, I think I peed on myself a little bit. <laughs> I'm not even going to lie. We were, we were at OWN, at the OWN offices in L.A. a couple of years ago when we first moved from TBS to OWN. Mm-hmm. And um, we were doing a press junket, for, for better or worse, you know, welcoming, welcoming us to the OWN family. Mm-hmm. And me and my castmates, we were all in a room, you know, eating lunch and waiting for the press junket. And she just walks in. And it was just like, oh, Oprah, oh you know. <laughs> And then for her to say, hey, Coca. And I was like, she knows my name. Oh, my, oh gosh. my gosh. But, you know, and then I've met her, you know, been in her presence a few more times. And she's just a, a wonderful human being. And what she's accomplished is just amazing. But what I what I love about her is that the times I've been around her, she's touchable. Yeah. And that's amazing to me. Why you know? won't she run for president? She would win. Ah! She would I, win. <laughs> I feel like Oprah, yeah. Oprah for president. <laughs> I know. I know. I, I think she knows better than to get into politics, honey. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Um, well, I, I'm going to let you go because I know you have a ton of things going on. Um, tell me really quickly, though, where can everybody find you um, on social media? Um, they can find me on Twitter. I'm at CocaBrown22, and that's C-O-C-O-A Brown22. They can find me on Instagram under CocaBrown1FunnyMama, and that's all spelled out. And co- and Mama is M-O-M-M-A. They can find me under Facebook at Comedian Coca Brown. Or better yet, they can just Google me. Yeah. Coca Brown, <laughs> C-O-C-O-A Brown. And please make sure you reiterate that they have to put that A on the end of my name. Because if they don't, they will get a porn star. And that's not. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I know. There's a porn star out there by the name of Heather Brooke. Um, so if people don't put the Brooker on the end of my name, they get her name. She calls herself the blowjob queen. And Mm. I'm just like, Oh, lovely. Wow. Wow. (laughs) So so if they don't put the, uh, R on the end of Heather Brooker, that's what they'll get. So I, I, I feel you because the chick, the Coco Brown porno star known for having this huge behind. And I'm like, honey, it ain't hardly me. I was, I'm not going to lie. I was looking up on Pinterest and I was like, uh, this does not look like the Coca Brown that I was looking for. <laughs> no, not me. Please add that A on my name. C-O-C-O-A. Please. Add the A, everybody. Um, Please. all right, Coca, thank you so much for thank being on the so show. Much. I'm so excited for all of the things that are going to be happening and thank we're definitely going to be keeping an eye on you and thank cheering you. you on. Thank uh. you so much. Definitely got to do a play date, so make sure I have your info when I, I call I will. You. I will. Okay. okay. Don't hang up after this, but I'm going to say bye to really quick. Okay. Um, everybody, thanks so much for tuning into Motherhood in Hollywood. If you need more information about me, you can go to Twitter at MIH Podcast and on Instagram and Facebook at Motherhood in Hollywood. And, of course, our website, MotherhoodinHollywood.com. We'll see you next time, everybody. Have a great week. Mama Funny. Balls. <laughs>